tonight on Huckabee, Tennessee Congressman Chuck Fleischman, the clean comedy of Brad Stein, from the chosen Dallas Jenkins and Jonathan Rumi, and music from the voice star Jordan Smith. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Goldberg. And now, here's Mike Welcome, everybody. What a great crowd we've got here in our theater. Don't you wish you were here with them? Hey, you could be. Just have to write and get some of these free tickets, and you can come and be part of our studio audience, and I'll tell you, we have a lot of fun here in the theater, so I hope to see you soon. Well, without apology, one of my favorite weekends of the year is Easter weekend. The beauty of spring after a harsh winter certainly helps but it's not the weather that endears me to this time of year. It's that Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ, a reminder that no matter how hopeless circumstances seem to be and how helpless we may feel to deal with the pressures of our everyday lives, Christ has already overcome the worst thing that can happen to us, which is our actual death. I mean, my sins are the ultimate cause of my death, but those are forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Sometimes, you know, we complain that we don't get some benefit that we feel we deserve. I'm reminded that I didn't get the consequences I deserve for my own sins. I'm glad I didn't. If Jesus can separate me from all my wrongdoings and the eternal consequences for giving me everlasting life, then frankly, nothing else in this life is really that big a deal. If you're facing a disease or a health crisis, quite frankly, it can be overwhelming and discouraging. If your finances are stressing you out because you simply don't have the resources to meet your absolute needs, that can be frightening. Broken relationships with family or friends can leave you overwhelmed with loneliness and a feeling of isolation. But Easter, Easter is the heavenly reminder that an earthly problem is never final. Now, I'd be dishonest if I didn't say I'm truly concerned about the direction of our nation. I genuinely fear that we're spiraling into darkness, and that's affirmed by the news this week, that for the first time in U.S. history, less than half of Americans attend church at all. It may have been aggravated by COVID lockdowns and church closures, but it's bigger than that. Younger Americans have been raised to believe that what they feel, what they think, and what they believe is more important than what God says in his word, the Bible. Standards are no longer biblical standards, but they're the constantly changing cultural standards that allows everyone to be his or her own God. We ban prayer and Bible reading in schools and public places. We scoff at the notion of honor, loyalty, fidelity in marriage, restraint and control of our passions. And we've adopted the moral standards of the times of the judges when every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
By the way, you better be glad I'm not God. I mean, really. I would have run out of patience long ago. I really would have. But Easter is the reminder that God hasn't given up on us just yet. So during this weekend, focus less on the things that overwhelm you in fear about your health, your finances, or relationships. Instead, think about a God who didn't just send us a book to read, but who sent his son to die for our sins and to freely give us a life that never ends. Yes, he overcame death itself, but the real Easter is when he overcomes your excuses and objections and becomes your Savior and Lord. Celebrate what God has done for you this weekend. Quit worrying and start living. He's alive, and in him, so are you. Recently, Republican members of Congress traveled to the southern border to see firsthand the humanitarian crisis that's unfolding there and worsening all as a result of the open border policies of the Biden administration. My guest tonight has traveled to the border. He's seen it firsthand. He's the ranking member on the Homeland Security Subcommittee, the Appropriations Committee, and one of the most respected and liked members in the House on both sides of the aisle. Please welcome a good friend, and Congressman Chuck Fleischman of the great state of Tennessee. We are happy to have you here. You have just come from the border. You've been there firsthand. What can you tell us about what's happening? Well, Mike, it's very sad. But before we start, happy Easter. And God thank bless you. you for that message. Well, thank it's you. Truly outstanding. Uh, this is a crisis on several fronts. It's not just one crisis. It's a series of crisis, crises as they come together, and it's sad. First of all, it didn't have to happen. In all due respect, the Biden administration and their minions created this environment where people in several countries basically feel incentivized to come here. So that was a mistake. But I've been on the border, and it's sad. It's a humanitarian crisis. Those who are coming to our country are getting taken advantage of. You can call them coyotes, you can call them cartels. People are being abused and hurt before they get here, sometimes even killed. But it's, it's failing on so many levels. As you look at our country through the administrative processes, uh, it's catch and release all over again. And we're gonna pay the price for these Biden administration failures for decades to come. I don't blame people for wanting to come to America. If I lived anywhere else on earth, I'd do everything I could to get here. But it's our job as a country uh, to sort out how many people we can take. Right now, the estimates are that a million people are going to migrate to the United States, a lot of them illegally. Where do these people get jobs and where do they live? How do they uh, find places to be educated and get the health care? That's the big question I think a lot of American taxpayers want to know. Absolutely. Not only is it an immigration crisis, but it's a border security crisis. And when you think about the sheer volume of people, it's just overrunning the entire system. We can no longer handle it. So we've got to address it. It's not been addressed. Uh, you hear the mainstream media and the Biden administration, they call it a challenge. Yeah. It's a crisis. It's actually a series of crises. It's wrong. It's hurting our country. Uh, it's hurting the people who are coming here. And uh, we've got to address it. 
this week, President Biden has unveiled his infrastructure plan. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, when I first heard we're going to deal with infrastructure, I was happy about that because I believe infrastructure is vital to the country. It is the skeletal system on which the economy is built. Then I got to realizing and reading about the bill and more into it, and I realized it's really not an infrastructure bill. It's, uh, it's a Green New Deal bill. It's a left-wing agenda bill, and, and a small percentage of it actually deals with roads, bridges, sewer systems, water treatment, and the like. What's going to happen with this bill? Will the Republicans be able to stop this uh, $2 trillion additional indebted spending? I hope so, Mike. Over half of this bill does not deal with infrastructure. About 6% of it deals with roads and bridges. It's so analogous to the Biden COVID relief plan. 9% of it dealt with COVID relief, 91% with their left-wing agenda. They're doing it again. And the left is relentless. And that's my biggest complaint about conservatives. We are right, but we have got to dig in and get relentless and not give up on our great values because... Yeah, I think that's so true. But, you know, I, I want to believe that there are some Democrats in Congress who deep down know that we need infrastructure. Sure. We need things like repair of our interstate system, and they have to know that this is a scam. Will they stand up in any way? Are they so under the control of the speaker Nancy Pelosi. The Democrats have a big D, and that big mm -hmm. D is for discipline. And they are, are lock, stop, in line. Even if they know it's wrong, they will follow that agenda. And again, they are relentless. So this, there's a lesson in this for Republicans and conservatives like me. We have got to get back to our core values. This infra infrastructure bill is a sham. The COVID relief bill is a sham. Their voting rights bill was a sham. Uh, they can come up with these euphemisms for whatever they're trying to push, but it's all part of that left-wing agenda that is detrimental to a great country. How does the average voter know what's really going on in Washington? Because people hear an infrastructure bill, they say, oh, that's great, or we're going to deal with COVID relief, oh, that's wonderful. And then maybe later they find out it has nothing to do with what it was labeled to be. What's your advice to not just your constituents, but people around the country? How do you know what's really, really going on? Well, hardworking Americans who play by the rules, get up every day and work hard, are busy. They're busy taking care of their families and moving our great country forward. And many times uh, they just get these snippets from the mainstream media that are inaccurate. Get involved, whether it's at the local level, in a school board race, read, learn, and see these policies uh, firsthand. Because if we get active in our local communities, in our state governments, yes, even in the federal races, we can turn this thing around. So get active, stay informed, question everything. Even question something that we would put out. Look at what Ronald Reagan used to say was, trust but verify. Yeah. It's time to trust but verify. And with the Democrats, it's time to nullify. We have got to nullify what they're doing to this country. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of us would say. We hope that some of these things can be nullified because they're detrimental. We've only got about 30 seconds left. So the southern border is not just about immigration. We have people coming from China, other places, getting to the southern border. Are you concerned that people are walking across the border that are a threat to the United States. Absolutely. We have caught terrorists coming across. We've caught people from all over the world. And what concerns me, what about the ones we didn't catch? 
And that's why we have got to come together, Mike, as Americans and forget that left-wing rhetoric, that left-wing agenda that they're trying to push and say, we're Americans first, we believe in God, we believe in this great country, and we're gonna make sure that we secure the border, secure our country, and truly make America great again. Well, I appreciate you for working hard and being a part of helping to make America great again. Thank you. Congressman Chuck Fleischer, thank you very much for your time tonight. Now, for our audience, you can follow the congressman on Twitter at RepChuck. It's there on your screen. And Fleischman.house.gov. That's how you can keep up with all the work that he's doing for the people of the great state of Tennessee. I got it on good authority that Keith Bilbury is just dying to tell you about the rest of the show, so I'm going to let him do it. I am. Tonight, autism advocate Xavier DeGroote. Later, from the Chosen TV series, actor Jonathan Rumi and director Dallas Jenkins. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Just this last week, several tornadoes ripped through Alabama, destroying hundreds of homes and upending thousands of lives. By God's grace, those affected by the tornadoes are not without hope. Through the hard work of Samaritan's Purse and generous and caring people like you, homes will be rebuilt, lives restored, and souls saved. By calling the number that's on your screen or by visiting the Samaritan's Purse website, you can be part of the good work that God is doing through Samaritan's Purse. Thank you, and God bless you for your help. April the 2nd was World Autism Awareness Day. Last year, my next guest became the first person on the autism spectrum ever to be a White House intern. He's also the founder of the Xavier de Grote Autism Foundation. It is an honor to welcome back to our show one of our Huck's heroes from before, Xavier de Grote. Xavier, good to have you back. Welcome. Thank you for having me. When you were with us before, we were talking about uh, the prospects of you going to the White House and working as an intern. It actually happened. What was that experience like? It was very much an astonishment to help make me more confidential towards myself and become my own leader and network more heavily with the world around to make awareness for autism increase because it's sort of a major institution that is worldwide known. Well, I think that's uh, probably an understatement. The White House is pretty well known everywhere and you've worked there now. Some people would say, well, can people with autism uh, handle the kind of jobs that one would have in the, in the White House. I think you've proven to them, yes, you can. Absolutely. Anybody in the spectrum has ability to do anything they put their minds to, like anyone else, as long as they're given the opportunity by a mentor or by a leader in this world that has faith and confidence that person has the strength to do uh, make a difference for the world. Uh, people with autism sometimes are uh, maybe challenge to find good jobs. I think your foundation is trying to help people uh, be willing to hire folks who are on the autism spectrum. Is that, is that something that you're seeing a change of attitude about? Yes, I am. Every day I see more companies grow bigger and bigger with diversity inclusively hiring those with autism like Walgreens, Ford Motor Company, and several other 
institutions. And I sort of would like to see more, though, um, generosity towards those with autism by having neurodiversity rather than just race and gender because there is too much of a conflict of interest when it comes to hiring those with autism because they don't know right away that they have autism when they look at them. And it triggers out an anxiety when you tell the HR, I have autism, because they don't know that means that you might have a communication impediment or you might have an issue with um, interacting with one another, but that doesn't mean you don't have quite the fantastic skills and you can be a savant at mathematics or at marketing or even at drawing and beyond. In your foundation, the Xavier de Grote Foundation, one of the things you're trying to get done is to get TSA to recognize that people with autism uh, have a difficult time standing in line and, and going through this process. I, I mean, all of us don't hate the lines, don't get me wrong, but it's a very real challenge for people with autism. What is it you're hoping to get changed with TSA and, and maybe other things that require that? We need to see that um, security officers are being alerted right away when a person with autism is in line in case they have miss, um communication impediments, or they may have a lack of understanding of the handle the crowd that is allowed to be there at the moment with the heavy lions. And they might say, dad, let's hurry up and leave, or they might not communicate properly. They might just walk off and like try to cut in line. And the security officer may take that as a threat to the um, um, oh, security that exists there, and it leads to a heavy um, alert that they may have to call higher up police and tell them that that person has a tantrum, is misbehaving, and a lot of people find that to be frightening. But autism isn't frightening to me. It's just you got to be mindful enough to understand when you get screened out in the security that they may have sensory to their clothes, and their clothes may be helping their nervous system be less... Um, um, stimulating towards them when they are being around so many people or the heavy light brightness may trigger extra anxiety in them to have non-coping skills to handle all of that. Xavier, I so appreciate what you do and not just your foundation, but personally uh, to help communicate to people what autism is and how it's uh, a challenge for so many people. And I want to say to our audience, for more information on the Xavier DeGroat Autism Foundation and how you can help I hope you'll visit his website and follow him on social media. Now, Keith, I'll bet that if you look straight into that camera, you're going to suddenly remember who we're going to be seeing tonight. Yeah, next, Mike's funny in case you missed it, news headlines and the comedy of Brad Stein. Plus, singer Jordan Smith is on Huckabee. And welcome back. You know, one of the things that makes this show so much fun is the phenomenal music that we get every week out of the best band in American television, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Why don't you join me in giving him a big hand? Well, from cat burglars to chipmunk criminals, we've got the news that'll steal your hearts and your precious time on In Case You Missed It.
A man in Houghton County, Michigan, woke up at 4 a.m. to discover a cat burglar holding a gun to his head. I mean, literally, a cat burglar. He demanded the homeowner hand over his two pet cats. Funny, I thought you couldn't give them away. I didn't know that, you know? Yeah. I guess one cat was out catting around because the crook fled with only one of the two cats. He should have just gotten his cats from a catalog. You got that one? A catalog. Catalog. Because the police caught the guy and they arrested him. Not exactly what you would call a perfect crime. I knew that was coming. You saw that one, didn't you? Well, if convicted, he could face a fine, prison, or neutering. I think that would be the appropriate. (laughs) That would be the best way to deal with him. Well, it was. (laughs) Somehow that is going to be a sight that a lot of our audience is not going to be able to get out of their heads. It wasn't clear from the police report if the stolen cat was returned, but... If the burglar gave him better food, Keith, I bet he went with the burglar. I bet he <laughs> Yep. Cats. Oh. Well, remember the good old days when kids used to go outside to play? Yeah, that, those were a long time ago. Yeah. Well, a Georgia teenager named Ben Tolliday got tired of being stuck inside during the pandemic, so he built something in his backyard, a roller coaster. He actually did it. Wow. He built it out of PVC pipe, wooden beams, sandbags, and center blocks. Now, he said his first ride on it was absolutely terrifying, but he was pretty confident that he'd be okay. Now, bear in mind, he was stuck at home because catching the virus might be dangerous to his health. (laughs) Ben is going to be coasting off to college in the fall. He's got a dream job. It's to build roller coasters. And quite frankly, I predict great success because he's pretty confident Mm -hmm. that you'll survive. Mm. He Yeah, he did. (laughs) Well, police in Ontario, Canada, pulled over a motorcyclist after noticing something odd about his license plate. It was homemade. (laughs) And also, it said, live free or die, which is the motto of New Hampshire, not Ontario. Uh Uh-oh. Another little problem, he had misspelled free, which is hard to do. He misspelled free. He misspelled free. He spelled it F-R-E. Your kid. I figure he works for the government because he doesn't even know how to spell the word free, much That's less live it. not an abbreviation. Not a, not a chance. Well, we're lucky this guy didn't try to build a roller coaster, uh-huh. that's for sure. But, hey, there's good news in all this story. Here it is. He's now going to get plenty of practice at making license plates. Oh, you bet. (laughs) And you've heard of porch pirates who steal packages left on people's porches? Well, Noemi, get get, I'm gonna get this. Nomi Gutierrez, is that that how you would pronounce it? Better you than me. Yeah, Nomi (laughs) Gutierrez, I think that's it. She's from Chicago, I can say. I'm just gonna call her Nomi. Nomi of Chicago caught some video of an unusual porch pirate in the act at a house across the street. Her neighbor must have ordered some nuts from Hickory Farms because a squirrel grabbed the package and carried it up the drain pipe to the roof. Boy, look at him go for it. Go for it, yeah. I think I saw this squirrel on Hoarders, I believe, that television show. Anyway, uh, gets her, I cannot do it. Gutierrez 
something. I okay. have no room to talk. I don't. Yeah, that's right. We've had it. <laughs> anyway, suspects this might be the same thief who stole a tortilla delivery off her porch, although you should not profile squirrels. No, this is true. No, that's wrong. Besides, they've got to steal. I mean, they work for peanuts, right? Oh. Now a, now a segment of our writers simply called A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words because these two pictures saved them having to write 2,000 words. First, a couple in Boston ordered a wedding cake, and on the form where you fill out what you want written in the icing, they just put down, no inscription, please. Here's what arrived. Oh, there it is, no. right there. Uh, I feel like coming on. <laughs> wow. Hey, the bakery said, hey, it's what they ordered. That's right. And then from the smokinggun.com comes this mugshot of a Norfolk, Virginia man who was arrested for assault, and I don't think he wanted to hold still for a photo. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is that, that Trey with a that's, wig? No, it's not Trey. Looks a lot like him, though. <laughs> it looks just like when we try to get my grandkids to pose for a Christmas card photo. Yep. Yep, there it is. They'll do whatever it does. Well, just like my grandkids, when bedtime rolls around, it's time for us to run off and hide. But until next time, always remember, we read the news. Coming up... Comedian Brad Stein. Then from the TV series The Chosen, actor Jonathan Rumi and director Dallas Jenkins right here on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Our next guest's comedy career has gone from the most groundbreaking Christian comedian ever to a powerful ministry using comedy to tell God's story in the performing arts as well as in the media. Please welcome back to our show the man the New Yorker magazine called God's Comic, Brad Stein. Oh, stop. Come on. Enjoy yourself. Oh, thank you, thank you. I am so happy to be here, so excited to see this miracle take place. Human beings sitting next to each other. No masks, somehow surviving. America is back. I love this. Thank you for the applause. I love applause. I'm going to tell you why. It is a tradition, and we need it. You know why? Because I don't know you. You don't know me, so applause is our way of shaking hands. With the added bonus, oh yeah, only Christian audiences. With the added bonus, I don't have to touch you people. Because I don't want to. And this was long before Corona. See, touching strangers never made sense to me. Did it to you? See, when we shake hands, we touch strangers, but never happens any other time. You don't go to church and sit next to somebody you've never seen before. Well, you're a stranger. Never seen you before, so scratch my back, would you please? <laughs> Thank. How do you like our church? Yes. Hey, wait till I greet you with a holy kiss. That's what I'm saying. It's biblical. 
I am excited because I love traditions. And let me tell you something, my friends. No great nation ever survived if we didn't keep our traditions. And we need to keep them here in the United States of America. It's still the greatest nation the world has ever known. Keep that in mind. This corona thing has gone crazy. Listen, I'm so grateful. We're trying to get on the other side of that. I don't want anybody hurt by this. And I'm so grateful that we found how to help people. But I'm just curious. Next time a virus hits that it's got a 99.9% survival rate, maybe we shouldn't, I don't know, shut down Earth. <laughs> maybe we should let people go to eat and not be concerned about toilet paper, just throwing it out there. Because I want to know, how did we get so frightened by a virus that is so stupid, it can't find you when you sit down? I'm no doctor, but this is what they're saying. You walk in, you walk into a restaurant, put a mask on, the virus is everywhere. Then you sit down, take it off. The virus has no idea where you went. This is what we've cut, shut this country down for. Viruses like new, new blood, new blood. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? They were right here and now suddenly they're gone. What has happened? I mean, when did a chair become a miracle drug? That's what I want to know. Apparently we didn't need a virus. Oh, we didn't need a vaccine. All we had to do was keep seated. We can open this thinking entire earth back now. Hey, just stay in your chair. Woo! Hey, we'll make it a wheelchair. We can get around. Yeah! You got a mask on? No, I'm sitting down. Well, I'm going ice skating right now. Why do I say that, my friends? Do I not care about a virus? Of course I do. And I'm glad we found a way to keep people from getting in trouble. But we're Americans. We have to be risk takers. That's what made this nation great. I was just in Wisconsin in January driving over a bridge over a frozen lake. And there were seven tents in the middle of the lake. Now, I'm no outdoorsman, but I'm thinking that has got to be the most disappointing camping trip. <laughs> they weren't camping. You know what these people were doing? Fishing! They were fishing on a frozen lake. How addicted to fishing do you have to be? that you don't wait for the water to get wet. I mean, I'm no fisherman, but I always assume God gave us clues to what a good day to fish might be. And I'm thinking if you're going fishing and you need a pole and a saw, not a good day to fish. If you can make it out to the middle of the lake without a boat, you're either Jesus or it's not a good day to fish. <laughs> if you cast your line out, and when the worm hits, it gets a concussion. <laughs> not a good day to fish, but it's Wisconsin. It's January. The lake is frozen. They are hungry, and they are out of cheese. <laughs> That's what made America great. I feel sorry for the fish. We'll actually cut these fish, cut their head open, Slay them out, skin them alive, eat them, and then complain that they taste fishy. <laughs> we don't do this anywhere. Don't go to a steakhouse going, sir, take this back. It's really cowy. <laughs> God bless you guys for coming out. Thank you for having the guts to be Americans again.
talking about that band? Oh. You know what you're missing? A tuba. A tuba. Underrated. Don't, don't tell them they'll want that in an accordion next time if you we can't don't. afford it. Yeah. It is so good to have you back. Good to be here, brother. I love your show. I love what you're doing. Well, you are really you. showing that Christians can do quality work. Well, and, and have some fun doing and it. And have some fun even without a tuba. I don't know even how you with, pull that off. I don't know either. Trey, that's your next assignment. Get a tuba in the band. He said we need it, Gov. We need to get this I, I'm sure we do. You've got a book. I love the title. Yes. Being a Christian without being an idiot. And my first thought was, what, are you saying all the Christians are a bunch of idiots? Uh, not all of them, but just most, <laughs> most of us. Uh, no, you know what? It was funny because what happened was, uh, years ago, I'd had this idea of, of how uh, um, Catholics were very pro-life. And, uh -huh. and they were at the forefront of that. And very so much so. And I'm a big so. pro-life supporter. I do a lot of fundraisers for pro-life events and so forth. And then I noticed a lot of them were anti-capital punishment. And I thought to myself, well, if I really respect this part, why did they... Am I missing something? Yeah. And I just assumed you're supposed to have capital punishment. My point was that, is that oftentimes in our faith, we assume things are biblical, and we don't really know. Now, maybe they are, mm -hmm. but you, got, you shouldn't assume. You should go do the work and look yeah. into it. So I found a bunch of ideas that I wanted to explore as to, is this really Christian tradition, or is this just your denominational tradition? That's what the book was about. And it's really taken off because my entire comedy has become a ministry. I mean, I'm yeah. now going throughout this country because I believe we need a third great awakening in this nation is what we need. And we if we do. don't have Jesus, we don't have a shot. We totally do. Well, what I loved about the book was, I mean, you're funny and you're a comedian, but there's a lot of serious yeah. message in the book. It's told in a funny way, but the punch is there. Yeah. And that's what I thought was very, very No, I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, I mean, my comedy, the one thing about comedy is it's always been given traditionally a yeah. pass in culture to make fun of the king, not get your head cut off type of thing. Yeah. You were the one that's supposed to say, this is crazy. Let's, let's, let's explore this. Let's make fun of this. And we were losing that. So get back to, to faith. Remember that God is the head of this nation. Remember the, about mm. the things that he's given us and what we're supposed to do. Fight like men and women. And let's just see what America can do. It, God gets back. It is a refreshing message. Being a Christian without being an idiot. It's a great book. You will absolutely love it. We love having Brad Stein come, and we want to have him back. And I have a feeling our audience here is going to join us in wanting him to come back. Brad Stein, look forward to seeing you, you again. Now, Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell our viewers where they can find Brad Stein's new book, Being Christian, Without Being an Idiot. Well, it's available now at Amazon and other favorite booksellers. And for his latest comedy special, Unapologetical tickets and information on his comedy tour and more, visit bradstein.com. Next, from the TV series The Chosen Actor Jonathan Rumi and director Dallas Jenkins. Later, from The Voice, singer songwriter Jordan Smith. Next week, Mike welcomes comedian Chad Thornsberry and music from the inspirational Gordon Moe. Welcome back. Now, The Chosen is a historic streaming series, the first ever multi-season show depicting the life of Jesus Christ through the eyes of those who actually knew him. It is the number one biggest crowdfunded project of all time. 
It's getting rave reviews, and it's already been translated into 50 languages and counting. I want you to welcome the star of The Chosen, Jonathan Rumi, and the director, Dallas Jenkins. Jonathan, I, I guess of all the roles that an actor ever is challenged to play, playing Jesus may be the toughest. Quite possibly, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely the most challenging, but also the most rewarding of, of my career thus far. So, and probably will be, yeah, going forward. How do you prepare? I mean, how do you, because there have been a number of people that have played Jesus from Max von Sydow to, you know, uh, so many different people and Jim Caviezel. Mm -hmm. How did you prepare for the role to be different and significant and to, and to make it so that you carried it out? I think the, uh, the thing that I, the first thing I wanted to do was get out of my own way and try to impose any kind of um, ideas about um, who I think Jesus needs to be, how I need to depict him. Um, uh, everything I do starts with prayer. So uh, for me, it was about just praying that, that God would use me as a vessel to communicate his spirit um, in, in this story in a way that is so beautifully written by Dallas and his team, um, and, uh, and to communicate, you know, the, the love of, and compassion of, of Christ and mercy of God to, to humanity, and, um, and just try not to get in the way of that, so. You know, uh, Dallas, I think it's significant. This was a crowdfunded project. Yeah. I mean, so you asked people around the world to say, we want to help you make this movie. And it became the biggest of all time. Yeah, I had a short film that I did for my church's Christmas Eve service about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. And it ended up going viral. And at the end of it, we said, look, if you want to see this as a show, a, a yeah. multi-season show, um, you can invest. It wasn't donations, it was investment. And 19,000 people around the world invested $10 million for us to do season one. And uh, something about that short film, something about, I think, the need that people have yeah. for a project like this that's not controlled by a studio or a TV network. You know, we were doing it by, you know, on our own rules and our own playing field. And I think people really knew that that meant they could trust it. Mm. And I think that really contributed to them wanting to, to, uh, to be part of it. I, I want us to see a clip from The Chosen because I think it gives people a, a, a little picture. You want to set it up for us? Yeah, this is from episode four of season one. And it is uh, one of the more famous miracles in the Bible and uh, one of the most intense, rewarding film, uh, scenes we've ever filmed. Yeah. But yeah, this is, I think this captures the, hum the human plus the divine aspect of Jesus in one scene. Let's watch. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right, that's your word.
<laughs> I love that clip. And Jonathan, one of the things that was so powerful about it, it wasn't the dialogue. It was your facial expressions as Jesus. And I thought, that's the most beautiful depiction I think I've ever seen of Jesus in that miracle. And I've seen a lot of different films. Thank you. Uh, I just love the way that it's carried out. And it's so vivid, so very powerful. Are you excited about how this is affecting people when you see the reaction people have to the film? Oh, it's, it's, it's humbling. It's awe-inspiring. It's kind of incredible to think that you could be a part of something that is so tangibly and substantially effective on people's personal and spiritual lives. Um, yeah, it's it just every day we both get letters and messages and emails. And I was online getting a cup of coffee at this uh, my favorite donut shop in Los Angeles the <laughs> other day. And uh, there was a, uh, uh, two young women that were hanging out. And one had this, uh, she was wearing a mask. It said, Happy Easter. I said, oh, I like your mask. And She's like, oh, thanks. And I said, I happen to be wearing a, a chosen hoodie, which is a, a really awesome piece of gear and just coincidentally. And I said, have you seen the, the show? And she's like, what show? I said, the show, The Chosen. And her friend was like, oh, the show. <gasps> you're Jonathan Rumi. I'm like, whoa, that wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. And she immediately started breaking that tears. Oh, wow. She's like, you have no idea how this show has ministered to me in, in my life in the past year. I went through some super difficult times, and thank you. She just couldn't stop thanking me. What tears. a beautiful affirmation of what you're doing. It's incredible. So Dallas, season two begins this weekend. Easter Sunday, uh, yeah. Season one has approached 100 million views to date. And the wow. excitement for season two has gone crazy. And Easter Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, we're doing a global live stream. Uh, people all over the world will be watching uh, the first episode. So it's it's been it's been quite an exciting ride. It's it's something I'm just thrilled and so very happy to have you guys here to talk about it. I hope people will uh, be able to watch it and will watch it. Season two debuts just as Dallas said on Easter Sunday this weekend. Season one is already available now on DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming at the website on your screen. So write that down, or you can download their app and follow Inside the Chosen on Facebook. Now, we're still not finished tonight. We really aren't. We got a lot more. Keith is going to tell all of you why you need to stick around. Well, we've got the season nine winner of The Voice, Jordan Smith, coming up. Stay with Huckabee. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Now, the powerful singing voice of Jordan Smith got him national fame after he won NBC's The Voice Season 9. Today, Jordan's singing talent, along with his heart of gold personality, connects with his millions of fans and charting very massive top-selling hits. He's got a song out just coming out. It's called Great You Are, just in time to celebrate Easter. Here to tell us about it is Jordan Smith. Jordan, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. When I heard you sing, I understood why you won The Voice. You really have <laughs> been given a gift from God Thank you. Uh, to sing. 
honestly, it's such a blessing. You know, I never would have imagined when I auditioned for The Voice that, you know, everyone would connect so deeply with my singing and, and just who I was as a person, let alone going on to win the show and then obviously to have the career that I've been blessed with since then. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Did you grow up dreaming that you would be a singer and do it professionally? I grew up in a very musical family. Yeah? Um, I grew up singing in church. I'm from a little small town in Kentucky in the mountains, little mountain church of about 40 people on a good Sunday. And I grew up singing with my mom and dad in that church. And I loved music, but I never like imagined that was something that I could make a full-time career out of. So I always defaulted to something more practical. And it wasn't until one day my mom sat me down, I'll never forget, she sat me down at our kitchen table and she said, Jordan, do you really think you could do anything else every single day for the rest of your life and be as happy as you would be if you were making music? And the answer was no. Like that's uh, what really solidified for me that that's what I was meant to do. you know how blessed you are to have a mother who could say that to you? God bless her for encouraging you. Honestly, and it's, it's my family, my mom, my dad, uh, my wife, Kristen, have been such an incredible support system for me through the entire way. Obviously, I'm so grateful for where I, where I come from. I think that's a huge part of who I am as an artist. And now to be sort of on this world stage and to be able to share those, those principles, those things that were instilled in me as a kid, and even in the music, to be able to write these songs and create as a songwriter this music that's reaching points of the world I will probably never see and I would never have imagined to see. But being able to share those parts of myself with the world, it's the beautiful thing about music. You're gonna do a song with us called Great You Are. What inspired this song that you co-wrote? The inspiration for Great You Are actually comes directly from scripture. There's a scripture in Luke that tells the story of when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, actually on Palm Sunday, so it's mm. very appropriate. He's riding into Jerusalem and the people have gathered to worship him solely based on just his reputation, who Jesus, who they've heard that Jesus is. And as they're bowing down, the Pharisees, anybody know some Pharisees, come up to him and they basically challenge Jesus and say, why aren't you telling these people to stop worshiping you like a God? And Jesus says to them, it's kind of like the ultimate flex. That's what the young people call it. It was a flex. He says to them, if I tell them to stop worshiping, if they were silent, even the rocks themselves would cry out and worship to me. And I thought about that. Mm. I thought about what does that look like? How do I worship enough to uh. keep God's creation from crying out of my place? And that's something that we do every day with our lives. We have to live lives of worship by the way we speak, the way we treat people, the way we walk out our daily lives every day. It's a beautiful song, and I'm excited that you're gonna be here to do it with us. I want you to get more of Jordan Smith's music. Keith Bilbrey, standing by right now to tell you how you can. You can get Jordan Smith's latest single, Great You Are, everywhere quality music is sold or streamed. You can discover more about Jordan's music and projects at therealjordansmith.com. And after the show, go to Huckabee.tv for the world premiere of Jordan's new single, Battles. Now, here to perform his hit, Great You Are, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, with Mike sitting in on bass, is Jordan Smith. Ooh. Every hour, every second, every heartbreak, every blessing, 
you can have it Every dark night, every morning, I lay my life down here before you. You can have it all. My life seems hallelujah. I will let the rocks cry out. I'm from the mountaintops. Every failure, every question, let my worship be my weapon. You can have it all. Every hour, every second, let my spirit reach the heavens. You can have it all. Heartbreak, every blessing, you can have it all. 